Hello and welcome to this special podcast from Fields Church. We may have had to close the building, but that doesn't mean church stops. It's you who are the church, and we hope that this message inspires and encourages you. Well, good morning, Fields family. I want to welcome all of our campuses online in Kesgrave. Give us a shout, Kesgrave. Yeah, I think you can do better than that. I want to welcome our campus in Mendlesham. I think you can shout a little louder than the Kesgrave lot. And then our campuses in Rendlesham, you can shout even louder than all of those. And in Ipswich, I'm sure you can shout louder too. Let's have a shout of praise this morning. Praise you, Jesus. Now, before I start this message, I'd like to thank everyone who gives on a regular basis. And for those who give on a Sunday, as we're not meeting physically, our weekly church email will have our bank details on. If you want to set up a payment via your bank, um, we'd appreciate that too. So um, just look at the email from Becca on Friday night or Saturday morning and you'll have the payment details on their bank account and sort code so you can pay into the bank if you'd like to. Again no compulsion for that but we just give thanks to all the people that generously support our ministry. Now we're missing everyone we want to please ask you to please stay safe uh, and well and Esther and I are praying for you every day. Uh, Stay connected hope you're getting um, uh, to church on Sunday online. We're not meeting physically, but you can go to church online. I think we'll probably start the service again at 10 o'clock and then guys are going to get into a Zoom meeting afterwards and um, and connect, get a cup of coffee, get yourself a croissant or a cake or a bacon sandwich and sit down, listen to the message and then you can discuss the message afterwards. You can pray for one another and encourage one another. We'll also encourage everyone uh, to get into a life group Uh, We had some amazing uh, turnout in our life groups. We've got four life groups running and uh, we had an amazing turnout this last week. Um, If you're not involved with one, get involved with one. Speak to one of the life group leaders, uh, Steve or myself, Poppy, um, who's the other one, Angela and uh, Steve and Tracy. Uh, You can get hold of them and uh, give them your details and they can include you in one of their life uh, life groups in the week. So there we go. Um, I just want to encourage everybody this morning, I'm going to start a series of messages entitled Breaking Intimidation. You know, many Christians battle with the symptoms or effects of intimidation rather than tackling the source or the root cause. You know, you can pick all the fruit off a tree, but the fruit will grow again. You've got to cut the tree down from its roots and you've dealt with the cause. Maybe you could borrow Andrew's axe and cut down the tree. Remember his little axe when he came in a few weeks ago and did a uh, a service and and preached and uh, brought his axe in. So you can borrow his axe to do that. Intimidation may be employed consciously or unconsciously. Some people can feel intimidated by others because of their own insecurity. Some people feed off the insecurity of others and intimidate them to gain something over them. So the first thing we need to do is to establish what is intimidation and how can it be defined the dictionary defines intimidation to make timid to fill with fear it means lacking in courage or self-confidence lacking in boldness or determination one bible commentator describes intimidation intimidation is the act of making someone else timid or fearful by real or implied threats. 
You know, bullies use intimidation to force their victims to do what they want them to do. The word timid makes up most of the word intimidation. Now, there are a few Greek meanings for fear in the Bible because that's the sort of root of intimidation. One is the Greek word phobia or phobos. This is where we get the word phobia from. And it means fear or morbid fear. It is an irrational, intense and persistent fear of certain situations. These include certain activities, phobias relating to animals, insects or even people. Phobias are known as an emotional response learned because of difficult life experiences. How many of you have had difficult life experiences and you've gained or adopted phobias and got phobias over the years because of those life experience? Some people don't like spiders. That's a, There's a phobia. I can't remember the name of what it is. Uh, some people don't like going into uh, outside spaces. Is it agoraphobia? Um, <clears throat> and then some people don't like confined spaces. So I probably got those phobias wrong, but that's what phobias are. And they can hinder us in our lives in, uh, you know, having courage and moving forward in our lives. If we allow these phobias to dominate our thinking in certain ways. Phobias are uh, the other word for uh, fear in the Bible. There's a word called delia, which means fearfulness cowardice or timidity now the word timid timid means showing a lack of courage or confidence and it means easily frightened can we see that intimidation whose root is fear can cause us to have a lack of courage or confidence we can be easily frightened it can make us timid um, we can lack boldness or determination when we're timid or we're fearful. And, you know, as we're thinking about what's going on in our country, in our world, and we turn on the news, I turn on the news every day, I want to be informed. And sometimes because of the the intensity of what we're hearing every single day in every newsreel and looking at our phones on our news clips. That's all we can see is this virus. Now, things like that can cause us, it can intimidate us to even go. I don't want to go out because I don't even want to go anywhere because I feel intimidated by this virus. And that can cause us to fear and bring fear. You know, God doesn't want us to be fearful. And sometimes it's true for all of us. We can all be fearful, but God doesn't want us to be fearful. He wants us to be full of faith and he wants us to overcome the fears that we face in life on a daily basis, including facing the fears of this virus. But let's not get so fearful that it dominates our life, dominates our thinking. When we wake up in the night with a little tickly cough and we think, oh, have I got this virus? I'm going to be sick. Oh, I don't know what I'm going to do. Let's not think about those things. Again, we're not denying the facts that this virus is very, very, very serious and can infect people's lives so adversely. It can even kill people. I understand that. But let's not allow 
this virus to dominate our thinking so we just stay in fear and panic. Amen. Can we say amen to that? Nudge your neighbor and say, don't be fearful. Say to yourself, I'm not fearful. I am full of faith. That's why we need to listen to godly messages, messages like this every week and discuss them in our life groups so we can deal with the consequences and the aspects of fear, these things in our lives that want to dominate our lives so that we can overcome. I believe God. I believe with all of my heart that God wants us to be overcomers overcomers in every area of, uh, of our lives not to be dominated by fear and intimidation but to be, but to live out the the word of god in our lives and live out as christians with the word of god in our hearts spreading the word of god uh, throughout our country with our friends and families and so on so the root of intimidation is fear there are two types of fear mentioned in the bible there's the fear of god this is a healthy fear because it doesn't mean we're afraid of God. But this fear talks about having a reverence for God or to be in awe of God. You know, there's a verse of scripture. This is the first verse of scripture. How many of you got your Bibles today? Get your Bibles out, get your notebooks out, get your iPad, get your iPhone. Or for those who don't use iPad or don't like iPhones, uh, get your whatever phones you've got, your Samsungs or whatever you've got, and uh, make notes and uh, really begin to meditate on the things that we're sharing so that we can get God's word into our hearts, not just into our minds, but into our hearts, because we really need to experience this must be experiential. Our Christian life must be experiential, must be experiencing these things in our lives. Not just having a knowledge of the word of God in our, in our heads, but in our hearts. What does Psalm 115 say? I've hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. The heart is the very center, the very core of our belief system and our being. And God wants us to uh, adopt the word and take the word of, of God, soak up the word of God and have it deposited in our hearts so that when we face fear, challenges, intimidation um, and problems, the word of God will come out and not negative <clears throat> um, things that we repeat over and over again that we can you know confuse our minds and get us thinking and going down a wrong path. Amen. Can we say amen to that? Push the, push the person in front of you and say, did you get what Richard just said? The second type of fear, so the first fear, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Proverbs 1 verse 7. I didn't read that verse. Proverbs 1 verse 7. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. This type of fear is healthy. The second type of fear is unhealthy. One of dread. This is what fear brings up in our, in our lives. Dread. Worry anxiety, terror, horror can even be linked to fear. There's one thing that I want to mention right now. The fear of man is a huge problem. What is the fear of man? Let me read this next verse of scripture. If you've got your Bibles, you can turn there to Proverbs 29, 25, or just take notes and then you can listen to the podcast back again and sort of go over these notes. Proverbs 29, 25 says, the fear of man brings a snare. What's a snare? It's a trap, isn't it? The fear of man brings a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord shall be safe. You know, the word for fear 
here is the e the Hebrew karada, and it means trembling, quaking. It means anxiety. So that's what the fear of man will bring. So the Hebrew word for snare refers to traps. Hunters used to catch animals or birds. Snares are dangerous. If we get caught, we must do whatever it, we can uh, to get uh, make ourselves free from these traps. This is a big problem for some Christians. You know, the fear of man manifests itself in different ways. Here are some symptoms of the fear of man. And maybe I might be speaking to some of us this morning and, and maybe God wants me to highlight this particular fear so that we can think about if we fear men in any way. So here are the things that this type of fear, the fear of man manifests itself. These are the symptoms. Need for approval. Fear of disapproval. Need for acceptance. Peer pressure. Need a need for honour. A need for recognition. Fear of criticism, fear of humiliation. And I'm sure none of us like any of those things, but these are some of the symptoms of the fear of man. These things can lead us to second guess our decisions, become timid when we should be bold, be disobedient to God, have poor self-confidence, judge our self-worth by other people, what other people think of us or what we perceive other people think about us and of us. Be inactive, not be ourselves. Be indecisive and have unstable faith. Some of us are fearful of what others may think of us. We sometimes think people are thinking this about us when that's just in our heads. Have we gained their approval? If we can feel intimidated by a lack of approval, we can be intimidated by others who we might think are more gifted than us, more talented than us, better looking than us. We can feel intimidated when we do something, what we think others might be thinking, what right do they have to be doing that? We can be intimidated by making decisions based on other people's opinions rather than on our own convictions. We can be intimidated by being pressured into doing something we really don't want to do. Can you see the fear of man conjures up so many things in our minds? And I wonder how many of us in our lifetime have been fearful of man. I know I have in the past. And sometimes I can be tempted to be had the fear of man, but you know, God wants us to be our own person and to fear him and not fear what man can do to us. You know, we might feel intimidated by others without them even realizing it. I remember before I went into full-time ministry in South Africa, I was a parts rep and worked for a, a trucking company selling spare parts and I used to go around workshops and uh, other parts places and sell and promote our parts and I remember one day I went into an office with these dirty great big burly South Africans have you seen some of those guys they're built like brick 
Yeah, they're built big. And I felt intimidated. And they all looked at me when I entered the room. You know, they didn't intimidate, intimidate me, but I felt intimidated. It felt like the cowboy going into the loud saloon and the music stops and everyone stops talking and they stare at you when you walk in. Have you seen a movie like that? You know, the way I overcame this was as I gained more confidence in my walk with God, knowing who I was in Christ. I made the decision after that day of walking into that office, seeing those big guys, I felt intimidated. I made the decision that whenever I walked into a room like that again and people turned round to look at me, I would look intentionally, I'd look at everyone in the eye. I'd, I'd just focus my eyes right on them and I'd walk up to the biggest guy and put my hand out and shake his hand. You know, that cured me. I never had that problem again. And that's what I do today. Uh, God has given me uh, such a confidence because I lacked confidence before I was a Christian. I was very timid and uh, fearful and anxious and couldn't go out of the house really without drugs inside of me or a drink inside of me. And I'm not glorying in that. That was my past life. And God has done an amazing work in my life because of the word of God. I can't stress this enough. It's one thing about reading our Bibles, but we need to get the word of God in our mouth, on our lips. We need to be speaking it over our lives. I taught a message last week on Psalm 91. And that's one of my favorite, one of my favorite Psalms. And I pray that over myself and over my family. You know, there are words in there when I think of this virus. The Bible says that no plague in Psalm 91, no plague shall come nigh my dwelling. I'm not arrogantly saying that. I want to declare what God's word says about me and the promises that God has given to me. And I take that as a promise for me. No plague shall come nigh my dwelling. He will deliver us from the perilous pestilence. He will give his angels charge over me to keep me in all my ways. I speak that out. I don't just read it in my Bible and, and think it in my head. I speak that out over my life, over my family, like sickness. You know, sickness is a true thing for all of us and we can all get sick. But if sickness wants to come knocking on my door, I get the word of God out again. 1 Peter 2.24, by the stripes of Jesus, I was healed 2,000 years ago. I confess these things over my life. You know, there's the fear. God says fear not. I believe it's 365 days in the Bible. That's one fear not for every day of the week. So when we think about this virus and any other thing that wants to intimidate us, we can get the word of God out and say, you know what? Your word says that I should not fear. Thank you, Lord, that I am not fearful when I hear bad news. I'm going to confess good news. Our Bible is good news. Amen. Can you say amen to that? Throw a, throw a piece of popcorn at the person in front of you, smack it on their head and say, hey, did you hear what Richard said? Thou shalt not fear. Let's fear. Let's not fear what man can do to us. All these things can do to us. But let's begin to trust God. You know, so the root of intimidation is fear. But what are the effects of intimidation and fear? I think this is the heart of this message, the thing that I'd really want to convey. This fear 
and is, is an emotional response to a perceived threat or the threat of danger. You know, we can see this in the life of Nehemiah. Nehemiah had a burden given to him by God to go and rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. Do you know he was the smallest man in the Bible? Do you know that? Nehemiah. Anyway, he went off to build these walls. He went off to build these walls. Sorry, I thought it was funny, but you might have heard that joke before. And it's an old joke, but the old ones are the best. You know, three men came to Nehemiah, Sambalat, Tobiah and Geshem, and they wanted to meet Nehemiah. And we can see this in Nehemiah 6 verse 2. And it says there, this is Nehemiah, but I realised they were plotting to harm me because they wanted to talk to, to Nehemiah and distract him. And it says, but I realised they were plotting to harm me. So I replied by sending this message to them. I am engaged in a great work. Nehemiah saw this, the thing that he was involved in, rebuilding these walls as a great work. He says, I'm engaged in a great work, so I can't come. Why should I stop working to come and meet with you? Look at this verse four. Four times they sent the same message and each time I gave them the same reply. You know, our enemies will be persistent when we're doing something, especially for God, that's really significant. Our enemies will be persistent to try and distract us and take our focus off what God has planned and called us to do. Because God has called and planned each one of us and given us each one gifts and talents to do something for him. Can you say amen to that? Nudge the neighbor next to you and say, say amen if you can't say amen say oh me you know that look at verse 9 Nehemiah 6 verse 9 the new living says they were just trying and Nehemiah saying this they were just trying to intimidate us imagining that they could and stop us doing the work so I continued the work with even greater determination you know the word intimidation is used in verses 13 14 and 19 but it says in verse 15 so on October the 2nd the war was finished just 52 days after we had begun when our enemies again plural when our enemies and the surrounding nations heard about it they they were frightened and humiliated they realized this work had been done with the help of our God you know, the enemy tried to use intimidation to get them to stop the work. A great work. Nehemiah said this was a great work. You know, we have a great work for God that God has for us to do, each one of us. And we can't allow intimidation or fear to stop us doing what God has planned for us to do. As we'll see in some of the stories we're going to look at over the coming weeks, if we don't have the determination like Nehemiah had, and if we allow intimidation to affect us, it can hinder us and even stop us from accomplishing all that God has planned for us to do. You know, this could have been the case for Peter and John when they were arrested by the Sanhedrin after the lame man was healed in Acts chapter 4. And we want to go there right now. I want to just go there. It says in Acts chapter 4 verse 5, and it came to pass on the next day, and let me, sorry, let me just rewind a bit. Peter and John went to the hour of prayer. They went to pray, and there was a lame man outside of the temple, and uh, 
This lame man looked at Peter and John intently, expecting to receive something from them. Obviously, he was expecting to receive money. But what did Peter say? He says, silver and gold I don't have, but what I do have, I give unto you. Rise up and walk. And the man, it says, went leaping and praising God. That's what it says. So that's the backdrop, the backstory to Acts chapter 4, verse 5, as we're going to read now. And it says, and it came to pass on the next day that their rulers and elders, because they got arrested by the Sanhedrin, so they're taken in front of the Sanhedrin. And it says, and it came to pass, verse 5, on the next day, that their rulers, the many people are here, elders and scribes, as well as Annas, the high priest, Caiaphas, John and Alexander, and as many as were of the family of the high priest, were gathered together at Jerusalem. And when they had set them, that's Peter and John, in the midst, they asked, by what power or by what name have you done this? Now let's pause here for a moment. Just picture the scene now. They've just healed this lame man, or Jesus has healed this lame man as they prayed for him. And Peter and John were set in the midst of a crowd of people, and they weren't a friendly crowd. They weren't allowed a phone call to phone a friend. They didn't have a lawyer present to defend them. They were on their own. So they're set in the midst of all of these people, their rulers, the rulers of Jerusalem, how many of us would have been intimidated in this type of courtroom? Let's go to verse 8 of chapter 4. So that's Acts 4, verse 8. It says, Then Peter, quaking in his boots, said, I don't know why we're here, and I'm really scared, and I don't know what to do. Is that what he said? No. Let's read what the good news says. In verse 8, then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers of the people and elders of Israel, if we this day are judged for a good deed done to a helpless man, by what means he has been made well? Verse 10, let it be known to you all and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, he doesn't hold back his words here, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by him this man stands before you whole. Whenever we see miracles or things done in Jesus' name, we need to give the glory to God and take no glory for ourselves. They realized that the greater one lived in them and they were bold to preach the gospel and command this man to stand and walk. And yet they're taken in front of this crowd of angry people demanding, by what name have you done this? And they give all glory to God. Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, boldly declares what Jesus has done, not being afraid or scared. And John said, steady on, Peter. Don't make them any more angry than they are. Do you think that's what he said? No. Peter was full of the Holy Spirit, filled with boldness. He knew who was in him, who gave him the words to say. You know, when we're faced with the crowd baying for our blood, Let's remember who's in us and not allow a spirit of fear and intimidation to intimidate us. God will give us the words to say when we need them. Amen. If you can say amen to that. In verse 18, look at this. It says, so they called them. Look at this. 
and commanded them, that's Peter and John, the Sanhedrin called them and commanded them not to speak at all or teach in the name of Jesus again. Verse 19, but, who likes a but in scripture? But Peter and John answered and said to them, whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you more than to God, you judge. For we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. So when they had further threatened them, they let them go. So they were threatened never to teach in the name of Jesus again. But I want to read that part of verse 19 again. But Peter and John answered and said to them, I believe they were bold again, full of the Holy Spirit. Whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you more than to God, you judge. You know, when do we disobey civil authority when it goes against the commands of God? If the, the government in this country turned around and said, we are no longer to preach in the name of Jesus again. We must obey God and not civil government. Do you understand that? We must obey the laws of the land as long as it is in accordance with the will of God and the commands of God in our lives. Amen. Do you understand that? But when it, it goes against everything that God calls us and commands us to do, and we need to obey God. It says, so when they had further threatened in verse 21, they let them go. You know, they were threatened even more, remembering, remembering that they'd just seen Jesus brought before the same men and they crucified him. If they'd have been intimidated by the crowd, fear could have stopped them from continuing their witness to Jesus. And you might say, well, these guys were with Jesus. They must have been specially gifted. They were more qualified than me. I don't know if I could do what they did. Maybe you're thinking that. Well, these guys were really special. They'd been with Jesus and lived with Jesus all this time. So they were really bold. You know, when they lived with Jesus, when they went to crucify Jesus, all these men fled. There were three at the cross. John the Beloved and the two Marys. Where were the crowds that came worshipping, glorifying Jesus? Where were the rest of his disciples that said, I'll never leave you. If they're going to take you and kill you, they're going to kill me as well. Where were they? They ran. They were afraid. They were scared. They were intimidated. But once they'd seen Jesus raised from the dead, they realised that God was in them, that God was alive. And they needed to go out, as Jesus commanded them, into the byways and the highways, preaching about Jesus and what Jesus has done and is going to do in the earth today. So they weren't specially gifted, anointed people. These were just ordinary men. Look at what verse 13 says of Acts chapter 4. And this is talking about the Sanhedrin now and the elders. It says, now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated and untrained men, they marveled. Look at that. They saw that Peter and John were uneducated and untrained men. They hadn't gone to Bible school. So what was their qualification? Let's read on and you can see the qualification. And they realised they had been with Jesus. Isn't that amazing? They were unqualified, untrained, uneducated. But they could see that they had been with Jesus. You know, Jesus lives in us. The greater one lives in us. And we need to have boldness in these days to be a witness for Jesus. So... Who of us are qualified now? 
Let's see. Let's have a show of hands. Come on, put your hands up. Yeah, that show of hands was a bit rubbish. Never mind. You know, Peter and John weren't going to allow intimidation and fear to stop them witnessing for Jesus. And they continued doing that. And of course, they turned the whole world upside down. Let's look at the fruit of their preaching earlier before they were arrested. Let's go back to Acts 4 verse 3. This was just before they were arrested. It says, and they laid hands on them and put them in custody until the next day. For it was already evening. Verse four. However, many of those who heard the word believed. So Peter and John, after this lame man had been healed, were preaching to the crowds. And this is what they're saying in verse four. Let me read it again. However, many of those who heard the word believed and the number of men came to be about five thousand how many of you would like to preach and see five thousand come to christ this wasn't the day of pentecost because a few chapters earlier we saw that peter stood up in the crowd at the day of pentecost when the holy spirit came and boldly preached and three thousand came to the lord this is a powerful truth for us to learn as well if we allow intimidation and fear to rule us it has the potential to keep us paralyzed and ineffective for God. That's what Peter and John realized. Now, I'm praying that through this series of messages, we'll learn that God is with us and will empower us to overcome intimidation and fear as we become the warriors, not the warriors, the warriors God has called us to be. And in closing this message, I just want to pray for us as a congregation. I pray that you will tune in and listen to this message and really see that God is with us and for us. And we don't have to allow intimidation and fear to dominate our lives to the degree that it stops us being the witnesses that God needs us to be in these very difficult, challenging times. And I know they're difficult and I know they're challenging. And I know some of you may be in fear of the future. You don't know what the future holds, you know, but we know who holds the future. Our future is in God's hands and he is determined for us to live the lives he's called us to live as believers. We're believers believing that he is going to be with us even through these tough, difficult times. You know, in Psalm 91, it says, I will be with you in trouble. Jesus didn't say, I'm going to take the trouble out of life, but he did say, I will be with you in trouble. And if you're having trouble right now, let me say this. Jesus is with you. He is with you and he's for you. He's not against you. So let's pray. Father, I just thank you for this messages, this message and the messages that are going to come over the coming weeks about fear and intimidation that we're not to allow fear and int intimidation to uh, dominate our thinking and our minds, but our minds and our focus should be on you. Your word says in Isaiah 26, 3, you will keep him or her in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on you. 
So I pray, Father God, that our minds are stayed on you. You have begun a good work in us and you, Lord Jesus, are faithful to complete that good work in each one of us. So as we close right now, Father, I pray for every member of our congregation. I thank you that they're not in fear, they're in faith. I thank you that this word has gone forth like a seed. It will go into their hearts and produce a harvest in their lives of a hundredfold, we believe. And Father, I thank you as we gather on Sunday to listen to this message and discuss it afterwards and have a coffee and chat and pray for one another. And we gather in our life groups in the week to encourage and pray for one another. I pray that we would stay safe, we'd stay exercising, we'd eat well and live well until we can meet again together. We pray this in Jesus' name. I thank you, Father God, you, you give your angels charge over every person to keep them in all, all their ways until we can meet again in person. And if you love the Lord your God, you'll say, Amen. Bless you. Can't wait to speak to you on the phone and connect in our life groups soon. God bless. See you soon. Thank you for listening to this special podcast. If you'd like to know more about God's love for you, have prayer requests, or just want to know more about Fields Church, please check out www.fieldschurch.uk or email us via hello at fieldschurch.uk and we'll get back to you. God bless.